0: I'll just do it okay <laughs> that's y'all can follow <laughs> fine by me just, uh. okay all right we're ready are we ready
1: oh, ready yeah
0: okay it's just a minute afternoon this is Monte Soka this is the uh, October 16th special meeting of the affordable housing advisory board Um. We are going to start the meeting with Leah. um, Kind of uh, going through the rules of engagement for the Zoom meeting and the regular meeting. And then we'll get started right into our meeting. I'll take roll and we'll get started on the meeting.
2: Thank you, Mr. Chair, and good afternoon, everyone. I have a few housekeeping items for this hybrid meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you are not speaking. The chat function for this public meeting is disabled. All chats will go directly to me. Unless you are participating during the meeting, please turn your video off. This allows the active meeting participants to be seen on the screen. You will still be able to hear the meeting. When you are participating, please turn your video on. If you have any trouble, you can send me a chat. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. Now I'll make a few notes on public comment. When the chair calls for public comment, individuals attending in person should approach the podium to indicate they wish to speak. The podium can be raised and lowered, and we encourage you to use this feature to ensure your comments are heard. Individuals participating via Zoom should use the raise hand function to indicate, to indicate they wish to speak. Please leave your virtual hand raised until you are called on. Individuals will be called on in the order they appear on the meeting host screen. Please state your name before speaking. All comments will be limited to 3 minutes. Thank you, and now I'll turn the meeting back over to Mr. Soka. All
0: right, thank you, Leah. I'm going we're going to take roll and then we'll move on to public comment. So, uh Karen Willie, Sarah Waters, here. Nicholas Ward, Phil Engelhart, here. Mark Bueller, Christina Gentry,
1: here.
0: Erica Zimmerman, here. Dana Ortiz, here. <laughs> I saw you on there. I knew you were there. Shannon <laughs> Aury, Thomas Howe. Trent Santee, Monte Sokup. So we have six present. Uh, we just say that that does not constitute a quorum of this board. So we will not be taking action we, on any items, but we will continue and have our discussion uh, because other board members can watch this online and whatever and they have the benefit of that discussion. So we'll go ahead and do that today. And then we'll close. Uh, wrap up the meeting after that discussion. So with that, I'm going to open it up for public comment. Is there anyone in the chamber that would like to speak? I don't see anyone. Anyone online that would like to make a public comment today? Use your raise your hand function if you're wanting to do that. Okay, seeing none, I'm going to close the public comment section. The next item is approve the minutes. And since we do not have a quorum, we will be tabling that item. We're just pushing that to the next meeting where we do have a quorum.
3: Mr. Chair? Yes. Uh, Sarah Waters, um, did you want to make a, any note of those ri- written public comments that we Oh, received?
0: you know I'm, I do.
3: Okay, I thought you might. I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I
0: printed my copy before those were posted. Okay. So I didn't have those. So we do have, I'm sorry, I'm going back to public comment. Um, actually, I see that Shannon joined us. Mm, So wow, now we do have a quorum. (laughs) So everything I just said, (laughs) (laughs) um, so we will go back to public comment. So we had no in-person or online public comment, but we do have three letters that were submitted. I believe they all were supporting the HRC. Is that correct, Leah?
2: That's correct.
0: Uh, application and program so I encourage you to read those I'm not going to read them out loud uh, but they are in the record okay so with that I'm going to move we're gonna close public comment we're gonna move on to approve the minutes so I would be uh, open to a motion to approve the minutes from the October 9th meeting
4: this is Christina Gentry, I make a motion to move last meeting's minutes. All
0: right. Second. Phil seconds. Are there any comments, questions regarding the minutes? Seeing none, I'm going to close that and we'll call the roll of those members present. Sarah Waters? Yes. Phil Englehart? Yes. Christina Gentry? Yes. Erica Zimmerman? Yes. Dana Ortiz? Yes. Shannon Aury? Yes. Monty Sokup, yes. Motion passes, 7-0. All right. Now we will move on uh, to item agenda item C, which I'm going to pull up because I'm... Let's discuss... Sorry. <laughs> uh, discuss Ahab Port position on permanent affordability in affordable housing trust fund awards so last week we had um, we had a written comment that posed a question about um, permanent affordability versus 30 year temporary affordability and pointed out the concerns with you know 30 years from now hitting a cliff where we're going to lose Permanent affordability on a lot of these projects. Um, Obviously, we look at those projects as they come in and as we try to meet the need of the the community, um, make decisions based on specific projects. Uh, And I think this group was advocating that we really focus on permanent affordability and wanted this board to have some discussion at this board about that position so with that I would open it up any thoughts or comments
5: this is Phil Engelhart being that this is my first time through this procedure I, I'm not exactly sure what the end products are. For example, is there some sort of binding contract that's put in place for a applicant who's awarded funds for thirty-year affordable affordability? Is is there some sort of binding mechanism that that makes sure that 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 it, re, that it remains affordable for thirty years? Does that question even make sense?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
5: Leah, do you want to talk to that, or I mean, I I think I know the answer,
0: but you probably. Are. Better expert than I.
2: Sure. This is Leah Roseland. In the low-income housing tax credit um, contracts, when there are LIHTC awards, that's that's a component of those contracts. And um, KHRC does um, require reporting every year um, to verify that it's still affordable. It's also included in the City of Lawrence Affordable Housing Trust Fund agreements um, that it will be affordable for the length of time that the award was based on
5: okay and so that and there's i understand for the Lytech and the corresponding katie kansas thing that that there's a reporting element I, i i see that but for ones outside of that i mean do they still have a reporting mechanism that they report to you at the end of the okay that's that's fine. That answers my question, I think. So that brings
0: up a good point here. Um, certainly, I, I'm i of the position that I think we have to evaluate every project on its merits and not put a constraint that we'll only do this or only do that. Um, and then also, based on what the need of the community is, because if we need renting rentable apartments might be hard to get those as a permanent project or whatever. So I think there's a lot of things that balance here. Certainly, I favor strongly favor permanently affordable projects. But that doesn't mean that always meets the need of what our community needs at any given time. So I hate to put a constraint. So that's kind of my personal position. Um, But I do also like the thought of uh, and we had one project this year that talked about we're not permanently affordable, but we're creating a mechanism by which, you know, a not for profit organization would have the first opportunity to purchase this project following if we come out of, you know, if we cease to operate or so I like I do like those kinds of options too that give us the opportunity in the future to push something into extend the time or put it into permanent. So I think we I think those are all things we have to explore
5: as we mm-hmm think about these projects
0: and yep. um,
5: the the uh, and I, I and I agree with you uh, I I would say that if if permanent affordability becomes a really rigid you know criterion then maybe we might lose some projects that, that we might otherwise be able to entertain so that's well, yeah you would lose most
0: of the privately we, any, any funded light projects, you're not going to get those because
5: of the way the light tech is structured. Right, I right, mean, and even beyond the even beyond the light stuff, I mean, it, it seems like it could. If, yeah, I think we're on the right. same page. Any more comments? Sh-
6: Shannon has her hand up.
5: Oh, Shannon, awesome. I'm
0: mm-hmm. so I'm so sorry. I'm terrible at looking at this monitor. <laughs> That's
6: okay.
7: I I think the other thing that we've noticed is. It's usually the nonprofits that we put the deed restriction on permanently. But, but the other thing is, and I've voted for every LIHTC because the trade-off is between the number of units. I mean, nonprofits, we, we generally make a lower number of units for the funds that we get. And so I think it's just a thing that as you weigh the balance of all the things it should be something that's considered but I agree I'd I'd hate to limit our ability um to bring a serious number of units uh in it, today in because we might be worried about something in 30 years um and so that's just my thought process and how I've always evaluated it is it's a balancing of those kind of things because um, of the way those Litec deals are structured
0: mm-hmm. uh, go ahead dana you're i think you got your hand up
1: yeah thank you i agree with uh, what shannon was saying there regarding the Litec. we're not going to be able to probably change the course of that <laughs> ship so we need to work within those parameters um, but what you said monty regarding the kind of out of the box thinking about how we could work towards having this uh, of permanently affordable to encourage that kind of creative thinking. I think it doesn't have to be a this or that, but here's what we really like. You know, Here's what would be helpful to our community as thinking forward beyond just the 30 years and how do we make things more uh, affordable for longer term. I think that should be part of our narrative.
3: And this is Sarah Waters. I, I agree with Dana and I think that, I mean, the, the matrix already has the affordability and the amount of time on it. And I think, you know, in next round, it may be something that we consider differently. And, you know, and maybe we decide as a board to put more points to permanently affordable or to the, the, um, the application that has that same kind of piece on there after 30 years or after a certain amount of time that it can, you know, be sold or something to a permanent affordable, like to tenants to homeowners, or something similar. Right. So, um, and I think this is an individual board members' subjectivity um, in weighing things. And then, as we're deciding who to award things to, if that's most important to you, then you can advocate more strongly for that particular project because of the permanence of affordability.
0: Yeah. All right. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? All right. um, There was no action on that. Thank you for that discussion today. We're going to move on to the next item, which is review 2024 affordable housing trust fund application scoring rubric and recommendation procedures. So I'm going to turn it over to Leah, I believe, to go through that.
2: This is Leah Roseland, affordable housing administrator. I just want to run through this very briefly in case there are any questions. We already went through filling it out so i really just want to bring it up um, remind members that um, this is due to me via email no later than october 30th by end of day and that As you are reviewing the applications, um, every application, every applicant has their own tab, so you'll move through, compare the application responses with the um, categories here you can see again where to find the response so for an example population served you'll look at the application section 3 question 2 and fill in the appropriate score again is just a reminder you can hover over the box there and see um, how to quantify the scores um, as discussed in an earlier presentation I filled out, I I entered the scores um, that um, were just, in my mind, completely objective. Um, So for example, this is just number of years. Um, It's a pretty straightforward score. However, you're welcome to go in and modify the scores. if you think that something else fits. So for example, um, in this question organizational capacity and experience, will the um, sort of benchmarks are zero points, three points, five points? Um, so I just entered three points here, but you could go in if you think, oh, that should be four, two, whatever. Um, and then for other scores, even if it seemed objective, for example, population served, appeared that it would be um, an objective question. It really is subjective, dependent on how the applicants entered, uh, filled, filled out the application. So again, you would just go in and enter the actual scores here, um, whatever you complete, and, and so that totals at the bottom for a total number of points. You can enter any comments there and then all of the scores um, get put here Um, and again these are just the initial scores um, that I entered and then you'll put in how much you're recommending that they receive in awards and please do a um, a balanced budget so don't enter more in um, recommendation than we have available. <laughs> um, so you can see the total that's requested versus the total remaining. Um, these, it looks like maybe there's an issue that I need to go and make sure that it's carrying over. <laughs> um, but any questions about how to complete the um, the matrix?
0: I, I don't have a question, but I have a comment. Um, and it's just the... A- note I guess to everyone I there I was started scoring I'm not complete but I started and uh, one of the applicants basically said they were serving one population but when I went when you read their uh, diversity and equity section um, it talks about serving uh, BIPOC communities at a higher rate than uh, the population So, in a way, I looked at that, and I was like, well, they are also serving that community and reaching out to that community specifically in order to do that. So, like, I scored them up based on their response to that section of the report as opposed to the box they checked. Okay. So, I just encourage you, you kind of have to read, to me, you have to read the whole thing, to under, you know, because they may have just not checked the box because that maybe wasn't a target or something, but they are actually... Doing that work. So, anyway, one one thing I noticed, and, and we all know that the matrix is not going to be perfect. It's just a tool. So.
2: Yeah. All right. Any other questions? More questions. Cool.
0: All right, if there are no additional questions. Oh, Dana has her hand up. Caught it that
1: time. Hey, Monty. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just a verification with Leah, please, um, that uh, those who will have to recuse ourselves in the next section are not going to be filling out these forms back to you. Just wanted to verify that for public record.
2: That's correct. Thank you, Dana. Thank you. Okay. So, uh, Christina,
4: Ginger, I have a question. We have quite a few of uh, the applicants either present or on Zoom. How will we be engaging with, or if at all, right. with the applicants during this process?
0: Right. So, you're just one step ahead of me. <laughs> uh, we do have, uh, the app, some of the applicants have come or they're online and if we have a direct question we can address them and get our questions answered, but they will not be necessarily have an opportunity to, to speak whatever they care to say about their project or whatever, they'll be answering the questions. So we, we they are here for, uh, they were invited uh, so that if we have questions, there's, we can answer them. Thank you. All right. Are we ready to move on to discuss the 2024 Affordable Housing Trust Fund project applications? If we are, we have uh, two, I think, online that have to recuse themselves. And need to also note that Nicholas Ward and Mark Bueller have recused themselves. Uh, they did not actually come today, but they had reason to. Uh, uh, have conflicts and uh, in Mark's case we just learned about it this week that he has a conflict uh, so he brought that up he realized what the situation was and brought that up so uh, we've taken care of that so he actually should not have been here last week but he won't be filling out the form and have a voice so. okay
2: Mm-hmm. Mr. Chair.
0: Everything out on the table.
2: <laughs> and I should also announce that, um, right. um, so I have involvement with one of the project applications as well. I've convened meetings for the, um, for the Tony Krasnick Flint Hills um east um i'm sorry i'm forget the family housing application um so i will not be taking any questions about the project applications i have my lovely colleagues here if there are any questions about the applications specifically or about the projects they'll be here to um help to provide any clarity in addition to the applicants that are here but just want to make that known that i won't be taking any questions based on my involvement with that those meetings
3: mr chair this is sarah waters too um, what what is mark's conflict i think that would be typical we would know um and since he did participate the meeting last week i think it's important that it's stated
2: this is Leah Rosalind, affordable housing administrator. One of the um, project applicants is one of his clients. He has an insurance business. Is that enough clarity, or? Um, yeah,
3: I suppose it is. Okay.
0: <laughs> okay, with that, uh, we will start and we're going to go basically in the same order. I would say we have up to about 10 to, f- 10 to 15 minutes per if we need it. If we don't, we'll just move on. So uh, we will start with the Burt Nash permanent supportive housing project. So, do we have questions on that that we didn't get answered?
4: So well, I don't really have, I mean, maybe just a clarification and not a question, mm-hmm. per se. Um, so, what I'm imagining is this is a, um, this comes to us and in a form of there's being property that was just purchased. Um, and so, I'm imagining if I could, it was located on 6th Street where the old Motel 6 used to stand. Mm -hmm. Um, I drove past and I feel like there's still a for sale or for sale sign. I just kind of wanted clarity because I understand there's probably some legalities. I don't pick that sign up and make that sign to be non-existent because it's sold. Um, But I wanted clarification on the location and then the property being um, bought or is it still in escrow? Just kind of wanting clarity on that um, would be nice to have, just because um, I think this is a great project, but um, just wanted to be for sure that those are ink marks that are dry and, and, you know, the signed uh, real estate is already out of of, um, any other purchase opportunities.
8: delivered. Um, it may be that the deeds have not been finalized, uh, but that's a processing thing. Uh, for all intents and purposes, we are owners and controllers of the property.
4: Well, congratulations. Yeah,
8: thank thank you. you. And that is the correct location, um, 530 Rockledge and 2222 West 6th Street. They're two separate parcels, but they're contiguous with each other. Um, so. Thank you,
4: Ram. So
0: Matthew, you stay up there. I have a question for you on that, if you're you got? I'm done, thank you. Okay. Um the project obviously includes, and I think I asked this as a thing but I was hoping to get a little more clarity the pro- project has staff space and therapy space and all that and then it also has the housing piece. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to get an idea of what the actual cost of the housing piece is and really with my intent of getting down to a kind of cost per unit because that is a metric that we use yeah
8: yeah so we're showing um, between 150 and and I've gone back and we had a meeting last week uh, to potentially two hundred and twenty five thousand dollars a unit maybe a little more but that's kind of what we're showing uh, on our cost estimation for the residential component okay so I I guess I would say probably between 200 and 230 thousand is going to be the more realistic per
0: unit and that's 24
5: units Yep. and uh, your your best guess as to time frame to to complete I mean I know that's
8: yeah Uh, we would like to have ground broken by fall of 2024 and if, if we can achieve that then I expect that we would have it completed by the end of 2025 or early 2026 um, there are a few things that we need to accomplish before that, but um, that is our goal. That is our, our timeline is to break ground. I guess if, if we're really going by what we'd like by this summer of 2024, yeah. uh, but yeah. things being as they are, probably fall.
0: So I'm gonna go through my math one more time just to make sure I'm understanding. So 200,000 a unit times 24, that's $4.8 million. For the residential and, and you're asked for the residential piece and you're asking for four hundred fifty thousand, so about 10 roughly 10 grand a unit mm-hmm. okay that's where i was trying to get to thank you yeah thank you anyone else i don't we don't have anyone online do we that's a meeting member Okay, if there are no other questions we're going to move on to the Douglas County Housing Stabilization Collaborative, uh, hold on, you find my paperwork here, okay, any questions on this proposal. I
5: I guess I have the the same question that I had last week and I ju- I just want to make sure that I understand it and my principal concern goes back to housing those with previous histories of incarceration and whether or not that subpopulation is going to receive the same opportunities as the larger population that the housing stabilization collaborative typically serves or or alternatively do they have additional hurdles and if so what might they be i i you know Again, this is way outside of my area of expertise, so I, I don't really understand. Mm-hmm. Uh.
9: All right. My name is Kyle Rogan Camp. I'm with the Ballard Center, representing the Housing Stabilization Collaborative. So, your question was about if there are additional barriers for those who have been previously incarcerated. Right. So, from the collaborative's perspective for our programming, there would not be. But please keep in mind that the Housing Stabilization Collaborative, even though it's been revolutionary for our community, for example, Ballard, we've been able to triple our capacity to keep people housed, get them housed, keep their utilities on because of this collaboration over the last two years. um, It is on a lottery-based system, because the need is still so incredibly high. The only way to have fair and equitable access was to, put in a lottery-based system. But someone who was recently released from incarceration, currently on probation, currently has a criminal history, um, from the collaborative's perspective, that doesn't change anything for us. They still have the same opportunity for access as anyone else applying for the program. They still get the same supports from the partner agencies who process the applications and provide further wraparound supports for the household, follow-ups, just making sure that the investment sticks and has a long-term impact. Now, I will say, from a community perspective, there, there are additional barriers, but that's why HSC is so important. Because all of the partner agencies, gosh, I think there's between 25 and maybe 40 partner agencies. Um, That's where the real hard work happens, is we're working with those households to make sure that we're helping them overcome those barriers. So when someone enters the the HSC caseload, um, the beauty of it is they're not walking that path alone. They've got an agency to wrap their arms around them and help them find that housing. But from a community perspective, it's very difficult to get someone with with a felony record housed. Yeah, it I is. It's it's incredibly difficult. When those applications come across our desk, you know, we have to take a deep breath, look each other in the eyes, and say, "This one's going to be tough." Um, you know, it's the same when we're working with someone who who has a housing voucher, and they're trying to find a home to get into. Um, the the more variables that pop up, the more difficult it gets. But that's what we do day in and day out at places like Ballard Center we we take on those challenges and and we help households figure that out but from an HSC perspective there are no additional barriers to anyone that's recently been incarcerated or has has a criminal history they have the same level of access as anyone else in
5: the community okay but then if it If you move from the HSC into the more formal housing choice voucher program. and Again this is way out I'm I'm just trying to feel my way around here but you're moving from the services that the the HSC is providing into the you know the housing choice voucher program are there hurdles additional hurdles at that juncture Mm -hmm. that, that that make it, I just need to understand this. That, that's all I'm asking.
0: <laughs> you want me to take that? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll help with that. So there are, and I think Shannon has spoke to this in the past, so I'm paraphrasing okay. what she would have expressed. So when you have HUD dollars or some of those federal dollars or state dollars involved, there are restrictions and limitations to what can be done. And partly what this program has done in the past is provides the most flexible dollars that we have to get those people out of emergency situations, taking that next step and getting a you know, housing choice voucher or whatever, There is, there are more hurdles because there are those federal and state regulations that come with those monies. Okay. Yeah. But not with the money that goes and to here. The HSC. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of been the, this is the most flexible dollars we have to get people housed, started. started. Yeah. Okay. That's what I, I, I think I'm understanding. Is that fair? I mean,
9: okay. Uh, you, you, you hit the nail right on the head. You know, HSC is not a HUD program, so we can help a household that maybe the housing authority can't. Okay, uh, thanks. I appreciate it. Of
0: course. It. Any other? Yeah. I do
6: have one question. Kyle, can you remind me the maximum that a family can be, um, or an applicant, excuse me, can be awarded um, or can receive during a year?
9: Yeah, the annual cap is 1500 per household, and it goes up by $100 per additional household member. So if someone comes with a household of, of seven, their cap's going to be different than a household of two. And it, and it increases by $100 per household member. Um, and, and that cap was put in place to just have the money spread as far as possible. You know, so many of the choices we make at HSC are based around just the, the frank reality that there's not enough resources to satisfy the need. I wish the cap was higher, but that's what we have to do to help as many people as possible.
5: But it's $1,500 annually, annually with $100 per individual on
9: top of that so correct correct and and just to give that some historical perspective before the HSC collaborative had been put together um, the annual caps in the community at each siloed nonprofit was you know between two and five hundred dollars per agency so HSC has really dramatically increased the accessibility of resources even though it's still not enough, Nothing, but right. we went from that 200 to that 1,500, and that that's huge. And it's because of you know the funding of, of entities like the City of Lawrence. Okay,
0: Thank Thank you. You. thanks.
4: Kyle, I had a question. Yeah. Thank you for your uh, speaking to something that we understand is very important. Um, that we're talking about affordable housing, we also have to be meeting that need of immediate housing and services. And I think historically we've talked about um, what. It, What what does that mean? Is this our job or our allotment to provide services or provide rental assistance? Could that be provided in another outlet? But I don't feel like it's going to change because the need is still still very dire. Um, I would like to have more information about the lottery process. Uh, Gabby did a really great explanation about how the lottery is chosen and based upon need. And I feel like I had a great understanding based upon their answer. Uh, It's a need and an equitable practice in deciding whom receives it. Um, is this an individual lottery process or this is an organization? So say Ballard didn't get monies last go round because we had maybe not we but the lottery process gave money to Family Promise or whoever was next on that list. How is the lottery process worked in between the HC edge HSC in a way that is knowing who's next to receive is that is that a process within the organization or is it on an individual level where the independent um, persons and families need the money or they get chosen. Um, yeah. Help me understand that process.
9: Yeah, yeah, so it is not on an agency level. It is on an individual level. We, we try to empower the applicants to have as much control over the process as possible. So their individual household need is what drives that lottery system. Um, and then they also get to choose which agency they want to work work with on the back end to process that application if they are selected. The whole goal is to make sure the application is completely transparent and accessible community-wide. Anyone can go down to the library, hop on a computer, and apply for HSC funding. You don't have to go to an agency. You don't have to, you know, jump through their hoops. You can just apply yourself. You can provide your supporting documents. And then you choose the agency you want to have the relationship with, which I think was really smart for the collaborative to do. Um, we only process applications from folks in the community that have chosen Ballard to be their advocate through the process. Um, and at Ballard, we take a lot of pride in the fact that a lot of households choose us. Um, it just goes back to where where is the most comfortable relationship for that household? And they get to decide. And then after the applications are selected, then it would be kicked over to us saying, hey, here's the 20 applications that want to work with Ballard and then we start rocking and rolling and doing that, working on that caseload. And then we follow up every two weeks um, for a three month period, wrapping resources around them, and then we do a six month and an annual follow up. So we wanna make sure that investment sticks and has the greatest impact. Thank you. Of course, okay.
3: This is Sarah Waters. I have another question about the lottery. Um, in my notes from last week, um, I have that it was stated that non-white households are receiving um, funds through the lottery at a greater rate. And part of it is because there's a prioritization process that's weighting them Mm -hmm. in order to receive. um, It's weighting their application, is how I understood that. Um, is Is there anything else being weighted in that application?
9: Yeah, so if someone is going through the eviction process, papers have been filed, they're going through the court process, they are given higher prioritization. Um, you know, we've noticed this year that the caseload of evictions at the courthouse is far beyond what it reached last year. We're still in that kind of post COVID. I think landlords are still upset about the fact that they weren't allowed to evict for a very long time and we're still feeling the after effect of that. A lot of landlords are now in a position where they're like, you know, I've I've spent the past three years putting other people's needs ahead of mine and now it's my time and and we can respect that and we can acknowledge that um while still advocating for our clients and and trying to help them climb up that mountain
3: so is that prioritization uh for that available anywhere is how which how you're prioritizing or what is that like is it pop- Yeah, is it public?
9: Is it public? Um, You know, I'd have to check the website. Everything that um, our communications work group through HSC does gets put on the website. And I can talk to Gabby. I'm not 100% sure that it's public. Um, Yeah.
3: I think it's really important from a transparency lens that that is, um, and that the organizations that are contributing to the decision making have that out there so people can see what the values are and where the where the funds are going. I'm, I, I do support that. I support that waiting. I think it is important in order to get to households that are at a greater rate of eviction. I mean, back to Phil's questions around people that have come out of incarceration. I think there's, you know, we know that there's more risk there. Um, and so, but I do think from a transparency, that's important for you all too. make sure it's out there, whether or not everybody yeah. will like it or not. Um, is absolutely, <laughs> right? No, um, no. It's absolutely yeah, the, yeah. The, the thing um, that's gonna be, I think, probably contested or, or talked about.
9: And, and I completely agree with you. I'm gonna check out the website when I get done. Okay. Thank and you. Talk
4: Are you asking, you. I'm sorry, I'm, I guess I'm not cross-talking, but cross-asking. Are you asking for a survey of the households that they have prioritized? or are, are you asking for a list of the, the waiting criteria on the lottery okay yeah okay
0: so like he said eviction people under eviction are weighted higher and have a better chance of being selected in the lottery right right so what other things are you waiting yeah okay and at what rate at what rate? level at knows. what level are you right. waiting okay. yeah yeah and I, I think I, that's I, what the that yeah. to what yeah. you would want, that's what yeah. I would want to see. Yeah, yeah
9: and, and I know a lot of the choices are, are modeled after research done with similar sized communities with you know, similar sets of issues. Um, I don't think we have any issue publicizing that if we're not already. I'll hop on the website and see how visible that information is, and if it isn't, I'll, I'll talk with Gabby and we'll get it up there. Um, Ballard just so happens to lead up the communications work group, so easy peasy. Mm-hmm. But I, I appreciate that insight because um you're exactly right that
0: information should be public if it isn't already Mm -hmm. Um, right we kind of need to keep moving if okay somebody has something burning um, make room for it okay thank you kyle thank Thank you for your time thanks
3: for being here kyle thanks
0: kyle okay this is lawrence douglas county housing authority this is the new horizons project there are housing vouchers Uh, for people coming out of the shelter basically families coming out of the shelter we have any questions on those? This this is all fam fam fam. I didn't realize. I believe this is all primarily families with minor children.
3: New Horizon program. Yeah, he jumped, he's jumped down. New oh. Horizon.
0: Did I skip something?
3: Yeah, you skipped some. we're, we're keeping you in line here, Mr. Chair.
0: <laughs> I need it. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. <laughs> this is isn't this Douglas? Yeah. County Housing and Stable no, That's what we that's just what talked about. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Now we're Oh, I'm we're sorry. On the I'm sorry. I picked Flint up the wrong hands. one. Scratch that. We're going to move to Flint Hills East Heights Family Housing. Okay. Back in order. Sorry. Thank you for <laughs> Somebody's got to wrangle me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> You're going to want us on Zoom again next time, aren't you? Be
0: careful. You'll be the chair. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Actually,
0: I bet it <laughs> okay. Hold on. I'm going to get to my paperwork. Okay.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Man. All
1: right.
0: All right. Flint Hills, uh, fam- or East Heights. Yeah, family housing project. Mm -hmm. All right questions. I
5: don't don't know if this is really a question, but I, I think that I'd like to reiterate my comment again, one of my comments anyway, and that is that it wasn't at all clear to me you know what mechanism was going to be used to assure per- permanent affordability. I mean, the, adver- the applicant is advertising permanent affordability, but I didn't get the feeling that that it was very well r- rounded out. And I know there's a lot of uncertainties, but but I just wanted to bring that up again because it, it it's I find it a little bothersome.
0: Phil, I'm in the same boat <laughs> as you, uh, and not understanding which pieces were going to be market and ultimately, or you know, affordable for a certain number of years, sold. I didn't understand all that and how that was going to work. I did. Um. And. and- you so, know. I, don't know, I don't know if we could get clarification, even written clarification after this from uh, the applicant as though, you know, they said there were going to be single family homes that were going to be rentals for a certain amount of time and then sold into mm-hmm. permanent affordability and...
6: That's what I understood.
0: And, 15 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. 15 plus 15 is what I got there. Mm-hmm. Um, But I'm...
6: Is if we're
0: subsidizing that, I, that's an odd deal that you would subsidize that and then have that rental for a certain amount of time and then sell it at market. We've essentially subsidized a market sale plus the lift over 15 years of the val- increase in valuation. So I'm, mm-hmm. that concerns me that there's not some definition of, it'll be sold and the subsidy will be realized at the point of sale.
6: Did he say so, it, market though? I guess...
0: He didn't, but oh, it doesn't does not not say that either. does not say
6: that. <laughs> True. Right. Yeah, so, but when he... That
0: was my concern.
6: I, of course, don't want to put words in right, his mouth, right. but when he mentioned using the parameters that KHRC has for the home ownership process and then working with a nonprofit right. to utilize that vehicle, to keep it affordable was my understanding, but I, some clarification would be good. But
0: yeah, I think maybe because
6: a- I understand that process, that's what we do. Yeah. So
0: I'm just saying uh, there's not enough definition there for me to go. I understand that, and I like it, or mm-hmm. I don't like it. Yeah,
6: but uh, part so of that too like is to de- that. it depends on the nonprofit structure that you work with for that vehicle, for instance habitat has a different vehicle for long-term right. affordability than tenants to homeowners right. does. so it, that might be also the the piece that's up in the air right. it'll depend on who that organization is with but
0: yeah. yes and i just think that needs to be defined before we give it get i would be a more comfortable having a better
5: understanding of that before we grant it yes and and i and i okay. hate to be cynical and skeptical but in, in the boxes in the application, there, there seem to me to be links between, you know, 40 to 60% AMI or 40 to 80% AMI and home ownership. In this ultimate down the road home ownership, and I, I can't imagine, and cor- please correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but, but I can't imagine how 40% of AMI is going to realize home ownership.
6: Well, that's why programs like Habitat exist, because we work with families that are predominantly under 40% AMI that are able to realize homeownership. And it all comes in affordable mortgage for the Habitat piece and subsidy. So it's possible. That's why programs exist, like Tenants to Homeowners and Habitat. So it's possible.
5: Okay. Okay, because I... I, Okay, I'll, I'll... Okay,
0: thank you yeah, and there's a lot of things I really love about this project mm-hmm. i mean the the child care concept there's just a lot of really great things about this concept i just want to, I just want more meat on the yeah. bone
5: <laughs> to can, can I say one more curmudgeon thing sure uh, curmudgeon, phil yeah the uh you know you read in the Lawrence. Journal World yesterday that the school district is now projecting that they're going to lose 300 students, or they're down 300 students. Uh, and as a senior on a fixed income, uh, when property taxes continue to escalate, not that we can't afford to pay them, but as pro- there are many people who can't. And as property taxes continue to escalate and the school district mill levy continues to rise, you have to ask yourself the question, you know, should the school district be looking first and foremost at, at selling that parcel of property for highest and best use? I mean, it's so a philosophical I question.
0: I can answer that, probably. Okay. <laughs> um, so the school district does have to go through a state disposition, you know, right. uh, process. So that is a bidding, an open bidding process. So they will sell it to the highest bidder. I'm assuming they have some kind of reserve, but I don't know that.
5: But the, the, the valuation on currently exempt property, yes, once, once, once you come up with a the number, then you have to go through the bidding process. Right. But the, the valuation on currently exempt property remains unknown at this point in time. I don't understand why you say that. I
0: mean, you can go get an appraisal. And, and for I Any can. parcel in town based on comparable properties. It has nothing to do with well, whether wait. they're exempt or non exempt. Who's gonna do the appraisal? Why would it? Working for a not for profit, I do this on some regular basis. Okay. And we go out and get a, an appraisal like a local appraiser to do an appraisal and you get comparable properties and it has nothing to do with whether they're owned by taxable entities or non-taxable entities.
5: I don't want to get too deep in the okay. woods. I was just trying to yeah. be, you know, I, I'm concerned. They should, they should be selling it at whatever the market will bear. At highest and best
0: use. Right. In, in my opinion. Potential use, yes. Highest and best potential use. Yeah, no, I agree with that, 100% okay how they go about that
5: it's yeah, uh, in the weeds stuff in the weeds yeah, yeah. okay
0: yeah so they don't i don't know do they con? i didn't remember did they control this property yet or have an op they don't have they because they're buying it from the school district mm-hmm. and this is okay okay
5: other questions sorry phil and i kind of yeah, <laughs> i'm sorry Probably. went off on a tangent I'm sorry for that <laughs> and I let it and I apologize
4: I'm hoping this is not even a question but I'm hoping this is one of those opportunities where where they build it it will come I know that sometimes we looking at commodities and we have to like balance that and I know Tony's kind of in that space um, but you know, this is such a great opportunity. I hope that there's more access to resources and, and commodities that are needed, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like when they use just food as a resource or mm-hmm. dollars general, I'm thinking, uh, oh, we could do better. And <laughs> hopefully this will be more of a push and persuasion to get some of those things in this food desert area that are needed. So that's just my two cents there.
0: Um, right. Yeah. Well, we've asked for more creative projects and we got one. You got Not one. one.
4: <laughs> so, <laughs> we did. you know,
0: there is that okay any more on that okay now flint hills new hampshire street lofts okay questions on this
5: I didn't ask the applicant specifically last week, but I was a little surprised that they didn't check the box for green insulation, since it seems to be such low-hanging fruit in a, in a relative sense and, and consistent with with Ahab's goals. Uh, just, just, I, I was a, a bit surprised by that. Yeah.
6: I was confused that their budget says that their ask is four hundred and fifty thousand, but the amount requested says three hundred. Right, but maybe that was just a typo.
0: Well, I just a couple things of note. We this project was awarded previously some funds. Is that? I think it's I got the right project. Yep. Yeah um oh I see he said you know the applicant said that you know the costs have gone up and they have I'm not nobody's denying that but I look in their description here and it has a rooftop deck um which I thought was interesting not that anybody should be denied something but that's a high cost item mm-hmm. on something that you wouldn't you typically see in a luxury apartment not an affordable housing complex uh so i just thought that was an odd thing for them to have that not that we should deny anyone anything but if you're uh, worried about construction costs those are the things that you cut out
4: right and monty too i, I wonder too I, I asked about this being uh, also brought up to the pirc which is a public incentives review committee um which i, I sat on and, and listen um there was some discussion one i'm kind of confused a little bit by this being senior housing but then doing such a push to talk about the amenities that were 497 and elementary um, schools and parks and rec centers and i'm so i'm thinking is this a three bedroom for senior living or or is this for homes for children i just don't know i don't think anyone's doing any checking at the the gate to make sure that this is the owner or this is the person who lives there who's entering only but for three bedrooms and just for asking for seniors I just was confused about that. Um, I was also confused if there's gonna be parking um, because I think that was another question this um, applicant was bringing forward to the PIRC which where there was going to be less parking available for tenants. Um, The structure just kind of didn't allow for there to be as many units as parking spaces available. And so then I'm confused about, well, if there's families there, are we assuming that all people are going to be using the bus? Um, it, who's going to be utilizing these parking spaces? So th- that's just a little bit of context that was not brought to the application process here. But that's just a, a little bit of background info that was bought from the same applicant to the PIRC that I'm just doing that connections with. And, and so I, I, I kind of have more questions than than um, I want to grant like a real understanding of this project and this development. Not seeing it's not needed or necessary, but it's just the, the priority population and, and then the people you're talking about servicing. Um, I don't, I'm not sure just how all of this is going to be uh, formidable in the space of affordable housing for families.
5: I, I agree with that. I, I, it was unclear to me what demographics they were actually serving, based on the application.
3: Right.
5: I, I didn't see it, really.
3: This, this is Sarah Waters. I, and I agree, I agree with both Phil and Christina, and I, I think that you know the, this application and then the one we just spoke about have incredible potential, but the application is not is easy to follow. Mm -mm. Um and the ask is large on, you know, one of the two. Um and so that's my concern in in leveraging our trust information. We shouldn't we shouldn't have to try to figure out is it a four hundred fifty thousand dollar ask or a three hundred thousand dollar ask or to do follow up when we have people who are leading, you know, trying to lead things within our community. And so I I hope that future applications might be a little bit um cleaner i guess
6: mm-hmm.
3: a little more succinct and tight in the ask and what is being looked at um so that so that it's easier to follow um I agree. that's my comment
0: okay anything else? okay thank you the next project is Floret Hill. Is that? I hope I'm saying that right. It's not like French and it's Floray or something. Monte. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Man, it's a tough crowd today. <laughs> <laughs> They're hungry.
5: <laughs>
0: All right, we're gonna relegate you to Zoom, Sarah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, Mr. Chair, don't tempt me with a good uh,
0: OK. <laughs> Sorry. Um, OK, Floret Hill. Uh, this is the Wheatland application. Um, questions? I had one question. And I don't, the, the applicant's not here, I don't think. I don't
2: believe so.
0: But I wondered if the, and I thought maybe I asked if I didn't get an answer, if the commercial property that's part of this would be sold to subsidize the project, would be developed and the rental income would come back to the project, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how that whole thing was going to work. Because I think there's a, certainly there's some kind of opportunity there. Um, whether that subsidizes the project or not, so I'd like to understand that better.
5: I would. I would. I would, I would agree with that. <coughs> Excuse
2: me, Mr. Chair. I do believe that the applicant is online. I'm oh. not sure if they went to must, answer it a must question. Be
0: hidden picture, hidden because I don't.
10: Yeah, this is Kelsey here. My picture okay. is hidden. It is not French. It is
1: Florette Hill. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
10: But I the point of us doing the commercial is um, really just to benefit our residents by having, you know, as I previously stated, for us to potentially have it be um, a minute clinic or, um, or a child care, something that would benefit our residents. I don't know that... Um, money would necessarily come back into the project i think it would be a kind of a separate piece but it we our plan and intention is to have it become almost another amenity if you will to make it beneficial for the residents
0: Um. Okay.
4: I had a question uh, while we have you online. Hello. Um, so out of the s- s- section four goals I'm reading there were seven and which you've marked five as ones that you would um, absolutely ch- check box related to your project and your output gives numbers. Um, I had still a question about the increased community awareness and engagement and partnerships in affordable housing being being checked and then a number that was also presented um, because reading into your application it says that your community engagement looks like once we receive tax credits then the work begins to community engage so i feel like um, maybe a little bit more clarification about how you will reach that 500 amount in the community awareness um, and then I'll just say, increase racial equity in housing, your answer was any qualified applicant. So I just, I'll just, i just leave that at that. But the, um, the community awareness is really what I want to kind of dive into uh, about your output and your numbers that you have here and how you plan to reach that again. If you could just kind of explain that to me.
10: Yeah, you bet. Our community output and outreach is, um, we always do a neighborhood meeting. So we notify everyone in the surrounding area. We have them come and meet us either at one of our offices or at our civil engineer office to notify them of what project we're doing. Um, We let them, we print out our site plan, we print out our, you guys could see our floor plans and our um, exterior uh, pictures. Uh, We allow them to provide us some comments. um, hypothetically we have a playground that they think would be offensive and I'm choosing that because the playground's not <laughs> um, if we have a playground that they choose that would be offensive then we would discuss what they would like to see in that area um, maybe I misspoke we do like to start doing our um, notifications and getting the information out there as soon as possible um, we have not done a neighborhood outreach yet um, but I know that with tenants to homeowners they have already you know spoke to lots of people in the community notifying them and letting them know that this project is is coming um in regards to the any qualified applicant um we do not discriminate in for any applicant that applies um i mean they have to we have fair housing and so we have to use the same across the board to everyone um there are as um Monty did speak earlier there are some restrictions that are put on us in regards to the federal and state because of our housing so we do not um rent to um violent offenders or um things of that nature but um we don't have a credit score criteria we don't have you know we try really hard to take it case by case thesis and make sure that it's uh fair across the board i hope i answered everything if if not please please ask me anything else okay
4: no that's it thank you
0: Um, okay, I'm going to beat on this <laughs> commercial property thing. I, th- I This is just my personal opinion, and I don't know if you guys could accommodate this, but since I believe that the property was donated by the city and or tenants to homeowners, the income from that property, I think, that's generated by that property should come back to the project somehow. If it's ground rent there's something or whatever but it's basically subsidy provided to this project that should not benefit a private entity that's my personal opinion not the opinion of this group (laughs) necessarily but i i would feel a lot better if there was something some restriction on that uh,
6: Even, even if that private entity was a hospital
0: well, that, if that were, well, I don't know how they could. I mean, if there's fee title to that property, mm-hmm. they're either going to ground lease it or they have to sell it for somebody to build on it. So you're either going to get income from a sale or you're going to get income from a ground rent right. that I don't think should benefit the private entity developing because that was a pure subsidy. That. Okay, that's just again, again. That's a personal opinion.
5: I see your logic and I agree because I think you're basically talking about double subsidizing, mm-hmm. uh, and they, they, you have a private entity getting the benefit of the yes. of the subsidy subsidy
0: yes right. not going to housing yep yeah. mm-hmm. that's what I the way
5: I see it now, so,
6: that makes sense so,
0: so
5: could could the ultimate agreement what it, you know if. Their awarded funds and so forth. Mm-hmm. I mean, will the agreement, could the agreement be structured to in, to incorporate some notion like that? Yeah, I think that's something that Wheatland
0: would have to say. We're open to that, or we're not open to that. I don't know how it's modeled from their performa their right. project. I mean, maybe it's modeled in their whole performa, and it does come back. And I just don't. We don't see that.
6: Mm-hmm.
0: That's possible.
6: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but i'd like to see somehow see that i want to understand that again it's like the other project i just want to understand more because i'm uncertainty about who gets the benefit of that Mm -hmm. okay Oh, and with that i'll let that rest
2: (laughs) this is leah roseland mr Mm -hmm. chair i apologize it looks like we might have lost zoom
1: yeah
0: we lost zoom
2: it just closed out so i'm just going to verify yeah. kurt are we it's
5: restarting but yeah it absolutely crashed
2: okay
4: <laughs> <laughs> so i'm asking permission to release my body yeah do <laughs> you I want to take this take permission to go use a restaurant hey
0: you want to take a we're going to take a five minute <laughs> recess so be back here at 1 15. <laughs> uh,
10: well, this is kelsey i do apologize i may need you to re your question
0: So, welcome back. We had we took a little five minute break there. (laughs) Um, Our Zoom crashed here at City Hall, so um, we are back.
3: I think you felt
0: there was a question, right? Being asked. Yeah. Was there a question?
3: Well, I think Monty, you were you were still asking. I was a ranting, question. On yeah, the, about the
0: so, commercial piece of. Them. Yeah, so yeah. I, uh, I think what I was saying was that I'm concerned, or I have concern, that the land for the commercial property was a subsidy to the project, either by Tennessee homeowners or the city, and that if there is a benefit to be gained from that. Land that it should come back to the project. Um, I think it may my personal opinion is it may have to uh, from a legal standpoint, but I don't know that for a fact. So I hope that uh, Wheatland would explore that with the city and and figure that out, and we'd have some more definition and that and I don't know what that means whether that you know if that's like a ground lease and that money would come back to the project. To support the project or whatever, but I think, I think there can't be a private benefit from that piece of the subsidy is the bottom line.
10: Okay. Yep. We will take that into consideration and seek out some answers.
0: Yeah. I think that's just some sorting out of what should happen there. So, okay. Any other. Okay. We're going to move on to independence Inc. This is an accessible housing program. We've seen this project, this request, I think for the last three or four years. Um, so any questions?
5: Not a question, but this filling or not a question but a comment. Mm-hmm. I mean i i'm I'm impressed with the the the, st- the, st- the structure and the documentation and everything like that. I think they're they're doing really nice nice work there. I would hope that that maybe they could open up the contractor selection process a little bit and maybe make it available to a greater number of small local contractors. And maybe that's not feasible, but but I think it's something that. Maybe bears exploring, in my in my opinion.
0: Okay. Any other comments? Questions? All right. Seeing none, we're going to flip the next. Lawrence Douglas County Housing Authority New Horizons Program for the second time. <laughs> Again, this is a project or program that we've seen for a couple years. Any questions on that? No. All right. Seeing none, we're gonna move on. Ninth Street Missionary Baptist Hope Project.
5: Questions? one this is a question that I'm posing to the to the other board members who have been through this before mm-hmm. uh, this the requested dollars represent a very significant fraction of, of the of the total estimated project costs mm-hmm. uh, is is this something that, that you all have done before or are the percentages of of AHAB input relative to total project cost in this case much greater than than what's been done in the past. Examples of what's been done in the past. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Okay.
0: Anybody want to speak to it? I can speak yes, to it I don't bit.
3: have recollection to answer that today. Okay. Yeah. So.
0: so we have had have a question? some other projects, not probably to this percentage level of funding, but we have funded projects that have funded more than 50%.
5: OK. So build, build projects that have fund, funded out at more than 50%. At 50%. But not a lot of them. Just And typically they've been
0: permanent, you know, permanent affordable. Some of the projects just require high subsidy to get certain kinds of projects. Right. Certain circumstances okay. done. This is an outlier. I would agree. It's an outlier. It's higher funding than than most. Okay, that that was one of my that was one of my questions. Mm-hmm. I think that's actually a criteria in it is, uh, it, in the thing. It, it does, so, uh,
5: um,
0: as I scored this, I think they got a zero on that category because of the amount of funding. Okay, if I remember right. Yeah, I know it. From it's, it's in. Yeah.
5: So, it is weighted, certainly. The the second question, comment that I have along those lines goes back to this, my lack of understanding in this nebulous arrangement whereby (laughs) somebody ensures that if the, the applicant decided to sell the property, that there would be a mechanism in place to to realize that the use remains as intended and that that the affordable housing piece of it gets I don't know what the right words are but that it that we don't lose the subsidy we don't lose the subsidy there you go
0: yeah takisha you want to talk to that
11: Hello, yes, I can definitely talk to that. Um, I had shared with you guys that we were put in in a contingency place to do a 99-year lease with Family Promise, um, as well as if we ever decide to sell the property, which not likely because we've been here 160 years. But if we do ever decide to sell the property, the first right for right of refusal will go to Family Promise, and also um, it would be offered to tenants to homeowners.
0: But, okay, Takesha, I'm going to ask a somewhat pointed question. So, um, so if the trust fund were to essentially fund we would want that purchase to be, to recognize that subsidy. Does that make sense? So like, mm-hmm. if we were, let's say you, in 50 years, you guys decided to sell the property, the $850,000 or whatever subsidy it ends up being would have to be recognized in that sale so that the church, per se, would not benefit from the subsidy. You don't get the subsidy back because we already paid for a portion of the project to start with so we ought to be able to buy the project at a discounted
11: very low discounted we, that yeah, recognizes
0: the subsidy on it.
11: our committee tier yes
0: so we would we definitely need, discuss that <laughs> so that's that's what i mean by not losing the benefit of the subsidy or the private entity benefiting from the subsidy so we would need to know that there's that kind of opportunity not just a right of first offer or a right of first refusal because we'd essentially be paying market at that point and the subsidy would have gone to the church not to housing at that point at that point so I think we need a, some clarification on how or I do how that is kind of the same question I ask about the commercial property yes, in did. a sense it's the the subsidy has to stay with the housing. So,
11: right, right. And we discussed that in our committee, our okay. whole committee search, um a, a opportunity well a committee or whatever um and we did state that um all of those proceeds like because we're not doing this to get any type of proceeds from right. it we're right. doing it as a mission outreach so right. it definitely wouldn't benefit the church in any type of way um it is for missions purposely so um you can definitely uh we can definitely put that into contingency
0: okay all right thank you
5: one technical question here uh, because every time my wife and I drive by it she says "Well, where are all those cars gonna park after you use the parking lot so have I know it's still in the conceptual stages but do do you anticipate that there'll be an issue with parking and hopefully it won't translate into zoning issues and use standards uh, I know that's down the road but does that question even make any sense
11: yes and it's actually on the site plan already the parking lot we already got that drawn up we talked to the city already in those meetings that we had Um, so the parking lot is actually on our um, site plan so we have new parking spaces that'll be behind that building all the way across so there are we've already accounted for all of that to make sure there was enough enough parking for the new site
5: okay good
0: good no problem thank you any more questions um i just i'd like to make a statement this i mean we all know family promise does this great work in the community and this is a known entity that serves the highest (laughs) some of the highest need and most at risk families so i just think that's a great i just want to make that plug for them. i guess so okay last one prime company Eastbrook apartments I'm gonna make one statement uh I think it it's I know this is pretty early in this project and they've you know acquired either acquired a land or have an option to purchase the land or whatever but I think it's of note that they did meet with the community and had a pretty good sized public meeting that actually made the front page of the newspaper and they reduced the number of units substantially in listening to that uh, neighborhood, whether it's enough or not or whatever, that whole nother story. But they did at least make an effort to listen to the community, talk to the community and engage them and meaningfully and come back and change the project based on the input so I would say that's a positive thing about this project
5: And, and maybe we were reassured somewhat after the presentation but hopefully there's not in addition to the, the subsidy that they're asking through ahab that that they're not going to come back and try to 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 leverage the city for a lot of additional external infrastructure funding you know i'm I am concerned about that 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 mm-hmm. you know you're going it to they had done enough research to know
0: that there was sewer capacity for instance.
5: Mm-hmm. yes. They they, they seemed and to and a few things pretty like pretty confident about that. So yeah. Uh,
0: I thought it was another thing I found interesting about this was that they were going to borrow fifteen million dollars. Um, and some of the other projects talked about the difficulty of borrowing. I did uh, the that. amount of debt load that they were having to take. Um, and that wasn't didn't seem to be an issue here, but I thought that was an interesting thing I took note of. Uh, anything else on this one? All right. That concludes our discussion period on agenda item three. Um, there are calendar.
3: Mr. Chair, I think it's important to thank the people that came today to answer our questions, and some that we didn't ask any questions of were there too. So just, and that was a big ask for them to come back in today. So yeah,
0: no, that is that is good. That's
3: for the record of this because this has been really helpful, I think, in terms of scoring and moving forward. So
0: very good point. Thank you, Sarah. Sometimes I get focused on keeping us moving. I know, you're moving.
3: focused. I appreciate
0: <laughs> <you>. <laughs> that. <that's, laughs> so, yeah, pull the reins in there a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Okay, um, with that, there's the calendar items. I'm not going to read those to you. <laughs> and with that, unless anyone has any objection, we are adjourned 30 minutes early, I might know. Wow. Yeah.
3: Yeah. That's great. Thank you.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, everybody.